Welcome to the Health Code Podcast. I'm Sarah, otherwise known as Sarah's Day, and I'm a health and fitness YouTuber. And I'm Kurt, professional photographer and content creator, or also known as Sarah's Boyfriend. We're here to help you crack the code to a healthy and fit lifestyle. We're going to be talking all things health, fitness, relationship, lifestyle, and career. So it's time to grab your code books because we're about to spill some serious tips. Really? That sounds so bitchy. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Health Code Podcast. Can I just start by saying I'm so excited about today's episode? Yeah, today's episode is going to be an absolute banger. We are talking to Carissa Pukas, and she is a YouTuber from Canada and Vancouver. A lifestyle YouTuber, I guess you could say. Yeah, lifestyle YouTuber. And she has over 750,000 subscribers, but that is not the important part of this podcast today. No. So, I have been following her for a while, but I guess the reason we really wanted to bring her on today's show is she's been really open and candid about her current situation which she has just overcome actually with breast plant illness. So this is quite a serious topic, obviously. Yeah, so before, before we jump in and get her on the show, we just want to preface and make a little disclaimer that we acknowledge this is such an important issue and we're not here to bad mouth or demonize breast implants or any kind of plastic surgery. We're literally just opening up the conversation. If you currently have breast implants, I really don't want this to be a scare tactic to you. If you have none of these symptoms, that's amazing. However, on the other end of the spectrum, if you are sitting there with some of these symptoms, maybe this will open up your mind or just give you ideas that you never thought about before. So we just wanted to make a disclaimer quickly and say we do not want to demonize plastic surgery or boob jobs at all. We're literally just opening up this conversation and I'm so interested in Carissa's story. Yeah, definitely. And, and what we want to do with this today's episode is just build a lot of awareness around, in particular, if you are thinking about getting them done, maybe just to open your eyes up to some other sides, side effects that can happen. So without further ado, I think we get into the OG health code way of the weekly wrap and let's bring her in on it and see what she did in the week. Yeah. So I'll start it off. Mine's um mine's a little bit TMI, but seriously, that's my life right now being 30 weeks pregnant. So okay, the last two weeks I've been walking around feeling like someone has literally punched me in the vagina. Like, <laughs> no joke. I I was ch- like I was in front of the mirror inspecting myself, being like, this has to be bruised, like something is wrong. <laughs> and I told my midwife, and long story short, my baby is like ow baby yeah our baby get used to it (laughs) our baby (laughs) is um really low in my pelvis so it's what they call engaged so this has my mum thinking i'm going to go into labor early which now has me stressing out because like nothing is ready the nursery is disgusting abby's disgusting which brings me (laughs) on to my next point abigail if you guys follow my instagram story you'll know that she looks like a skinned rat or one of those expensive cats. <laughs> you know those expensive yeah, skin like, cats? They're, they're just like skin and no fur. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so we're the worst parents ever and we forgot to bring her brush on holidays and she was just matted. Oh. She just, like when I would walk her and Randon's would she stop like and pat her. Bob Marley's twin. She was dreadlock central. Up. So we shaved her. She looks like a rat. And um, <laughs> She's had a very hard week, I will say. I saw her. Mate. She, she had a hard week. Yeah, she it's is not tough. peaking at all. <laughs> There will be no selfies of Abby in the next couple of weeks. But to finish my week on a high, I just wanted to say I've actually been loving my training. Even though I'm 30 weeks pregnant, I'm still going pretty hard, like watching my heart rate and everything. But I've been really diverse with what I've been doing. I've been doing like walking and Pilates and resistance stuff. But this week I'm setting myself a goal. I want to do swimming once a week. Oh, I like it. That's my weekly wrap and my weekly goal. Thank you. Yeah, well played. Well played. Um, Okay, Carissa, would you like to share a weekly wrap with us? Also, welcome to the Health Code podcast. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Says he forgot to welcome you. Me and my bruised vagina welcome you with open arms. Okay, a weekly wrap. Well, uh, exactly today, last week, I was in New York City and I was there with my mom for the Today Show. And I was absolutely pooping my pants, like oh, quite I literally. Saw this. I saw this be, on Insta story. That will be my embarrassing thing because <laughs> I didn't 
realize how much like my gut and my stomach make me have nervous poops oh my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> right before national television i'm like i have to go to the bathroom <laughs> like, kate hudson's in the green room with me carly Kloss is in the green room with <gasps> secret models they're gorgeous and here i am like clenching and unclenching my butt. oh my <laughs> gosh <laughs> i love that that That's is not my embarrassing story for you guys i can relate <laughs> i can relate i love oh that God. My happy part of my week was that's over and it went very well. And awesome. I advocated to a ton of people and it made me feel very good because there was a lot of women needing to hear my message. And now I get to do the same thing a week later. I celebrated my birthday in between and now I'm right back at it on your guys' podcast. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. I'm old. <laughs> Yay. No, that's okay. Me no, too. No, no, no. It's okay. I'm 20. I'm turned 30 this year. So, you know. Okay. We're, we're fine. I just turned 28. So, I feel like we're fine. Yes. We're good, right? Yeah, good. Like, Kurt's, Kurt's actually old. So, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> it happens so fast though. Like, honestly, I I swear, like, I turned 25 and now all of a sudden I'm, I'm so old and barren and I still am not pregnant. And oh my God, it worries like everyone else. But I think that that's what I'm always like now thinking of around my birthday. I'm like, oh, this is not realistic. Come on, Carissa, you're fine. I know. Well, that, that's why I think now that I'm pregnant, I'm like, I can be old now. It's okay. Yeah. My time has passed. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it. All right. What about uh, you, Kurt? What was your week like? I, I also have gut issues right now. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh my, so I went bad. to the doctors and I found out that I have a, a parasite, which, Again. Is, which is fun. <gasps> Again. It's really fun. You know, it's no a good fun, time no. for everyone, which you you would know well about gut issues that they're, they're just not a good time for nobody. Never a good um, time. Especially me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I... When I get into bed at night, I like to complain about it. And I've come up with this little saying. <laughs> a slogan, and, if um, you will. <laughs> my ex-housemate used to say that his guts felt bad. And I really found it disgusting that he'd use the word guts. Like, I feel like it's a real gross word. So, I would sit there at bed and I'd be like, oh, Sarah, my guts are stuffed. And, like, really accentuate the T on the guts. <laughs> no, but he puts, no it's, it's not even what you're saying. It's the way you say it. He puts this weird old man accent on oh, and he goes... Oh, me guts are hurting me. <laughs> it's just... It is such an Australian boy thing to do. I Glenn does the same thing whenever he's sick. It's just ridiculous. So you're not alone. Oh, my goodness. I know, they I turn know. into old Australian men like, oh, Sarah, me guts. <laughs> like, do you fully, like, oof, when you get onto the couch now? Because oh, that's what yeah. Glenn does. He sits down and it's like... Oh, and I'm, like, I, it's not that much effort. Come on. I constantly oh my find God. myself taking deep breaths during the day. I'm always like, <sighs> and you're not even pregnant. No, no. I just oh. always am sighing about stuff. So maybe, maybe your body just needs it. You just need that release uh, and let that energy. That's go. it. That's it. Oh, it's a stress. It's either going to be thing. out through the mouth or out through your butt. So I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Better out than in, right? So I guess the weekly wrap is all about guts and vaginas. Yeah, great. In true style, right? <laughs> Did you expect anything else from us getting together? Not really. No, not really. But I like I really it. I love the realness. I love it. So before we get into all the juicy details, yes. for anyone listening that doesn't know who you are, do you just want to give everyone a little background about like, you know, the the about me, name, age, where you're from, all that good stuff? Mm. Sure. Well, my name is Carissa Pukas, and I'm 28 years old from Salmon Arm, British Columbia. Yes, like the fish, Salmon Arm. (laughs) And uh, I get questions about that all the time. They're like, really? Um, It's a very small town, and I grew up very active. I was such a tomboy. I made everybody call me Chris. No and way. And then I, I did, I did. I have the haircuts to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> I did see your 10-year flashback, I'll admit. Oh, my goodness. Those are like the, the appropriate photos to post. So, yeah. I got a lot of photos yeah. from. <laughs> but, yeah, so I uh, came from a very small town and I moved to a bigger city, which was Vancouver, when I graduated. And I did a fashion merchandising program. I really loved it. I started doing some YouTube around that time just because I was really lonely and living alone. And then I moved to Australia and I was there for about five years with my boyfriend. And then in 2016, we moved back to Canada and we've been based back in Vancouver ever since. That's amazing. I have so many questions about when you were in Australia. (laughs) But bear with me. I mean, hit me up. Yeah. So when did you start YouTube? You said it was when you were really lonely by yourself. Yes. Yeah. It was, uh, I just started fashion school and it wasn't anything like I thought it was going to be. Uh, I think expectations just kill you Mm. in every aspect of life. Mm. So I didn't realize that at that point. 
And uh, yeah, I I started making videos. And my first video actually has my cat taking a dump in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Very quality content. Clickbait. It's been only uphill from there. So clickbait, Carissa. So clickbait. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess you say you started your YouTube channel because you were into fashion. And would you do like hauls and lookbooks and things like that? Yeah, back in the day and doing like outfits of the day. And it was back when YouTube used to be a much more... I don't know, Simple. interactive kind of platform because you mm. could make video responses. And so that's how I kind of started was making video responses in response to other people's videos. Oh, like viral so, like, videos. Oh, it was just the best. And so like, I don't know, I used to watch Philip DeFranco a lot yeah. back in the oh. day. That's so on I, all the know, time in our house. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the best. I he's love the Phil. best. But like, I would full on like make like a little response video and then that would get shared underneath their video and yeah. you know, people would find you. So that was YouTube back in the day. It's crazy how much YouTube has actually changed. Yeah. Like I feel like because I started in 2013. So I feel like I just got the old school YouTube a little bit. And then. um, Totally. But I'm I'm kind of I guess I'm kind of new school because when what year did you start? I think it was 2011. Yeah. 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 Forever. Yeah. So that's a a long time. And and right from the beginning, I I guess, how long did it take to sort of get to a stage where you decided it was your career? It would have been at least two years because the first year I was still in fashion school and just kind of picking away at videos. And then when I moved to Australia, I wasn't allowed to work because of my visa situation. Mm. And so my, and I was also living in like Lake Monmora, which if you don't know Lake Monmora, it's like the tiniest little tiny town and whoop whoop. It's beautiful, <laughs> but it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And so I decided to put all of my energy into filming. So there's literally nothing else that I could do. And so after about, maybe eight months to a year of that at that point, then I was like, okay, I can do this full time. Let's jump. Let's try it. Yep. It horrified my parents, but yeah. <laughs> it was all good in the end. No, nah, I yeah, love that because we're on this podcast. We're always talking about the side hustle and specifically YouTube because there's so many people these days who say, I want to be a vlogger. I want to be a YouTuber. And we say, do your normal life as long as you mm-hmm. can with a side hustle of YouTube. And when it really gets too much or you're seeing actual success in a monetary value that you can justify leaving your job only then can you be a really you know a full-time youtuber yeah yeah, absolutely you can't jump the gun and that was the scariest thing for me is having no backup plan because i was in a different country Mm. and i just thought you know i I was at the point where again i was restricted by my visa situation and so it was kind of like i'm either all in or i'm not all in but i may as well try and be all in yeah but yeah i definitely say to people make sure you keep it as your side hustle until it's actually a lucrative business yeah. And at that point, when you decide your time is more valuable spent doing your side business, that's the point where, where you make the change. Preach. Amen. Yeah, Amen. 100%, 100%. So back in the day, it was more of a fashion channel. And what would you say nowadays? Nowadays, I have been so inconsistent over the past year that I don't even really know <laughs> what I'm going to be kind of moving towards, which is really exciting, though, because after doing YouTube for so many years, you, you see all the trends, you've tried all the different things. I went from doing strictly you know fashion videos to just beauty videos to doing a ton of lifestyle and vlogging videos. And it's fun to be able to decide what to change and how to enter the new space and new market, yeah. because it kind of feels like that. Every few years, YouTube has a massive change. The the people that are big change and the trends change. And I don't know, you just have to be able to reinvent yourself as you go. And I think especially after dealing with a lot of what I've dealt with in this past year, it's really made me view my online relationship differently Mm -hmm. in the sense of, I want to be a value to people online, no matter what it is that I'm doing. I want people to walk away with some form of value. And to me doing what I was previously doing, didn't really give me that feeling as much. And so not to say that it's, you know, not wonderful to do if it, if it's right for you, it's right for you, but it's no longer the kind of content that I want to produce. So I'm kind of sitting pretty until I figure out what's going to (laughs) be the the next fit for me and the next step, because I definitely want to keep sharing and keep doing that, but just in a different way, you know? I I love love that. Yeah. I love that point that you said about value and bringing that value to your audience. I think with this new trend of YouTubers coming through, especially the ones that are in like that creative videography space. I think that Mm -hmm. the story gets lost sometimes in some of the videos and they're too worried about transitions and, and just getting epic imagery rather than telling a story and, and having something to share with that platform and and using it for good. So I love that, that point about value. It's yeah, that's a really nice point there. 
Yeah, totally. And I mean, it's value for your audience as well as for yourself. Like after eight or nine years of doing the same thing, what is a value to you? What brings joy to your day? And, yeah. you know, will continue bringing that joy to your day. So I think you just have to constantly adjust. That's all life ever is, is a series of adjustments and changes. And YouTube is, is exactly that for me. So it'll be great, but it'll be different. Yeah, I so agree. That is very refreshing for me to yeah, hear because yeah. I'm going from like my shredded fitness videos to mum life. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, yes, yeah. I feel Transition you. Transition <laughs> is happening over here. Yeah. Okay, no, I, really, I really want to get into the juicy stuff here. So <laughs> no one really has any idea what we're talking about today. But what I quickly want to say is I don't, I think because YouTube is my job, I don't really watch many vlogs or scroll on Instagram very much. However, mm-hmm. flashback a couple of months ago and I was just watching a few vlogs and scrolling on Instagram and I came across your story about breast implant illness. Mm. And I was so, so interested because number one, you can just even tell in the way that you present your story and you kind of, you're just so honest, you're so mm. authentic and real. And so that was captivating at the start. But even just your story is so mind blowing to me yeah. that so many girls can be affected by this. So I don't want to sit here and interrogate you or tell your story, but I just, I'm so interested in this because obviously (laughs) being an itty bitty titty gal, I, in the, in the past of like always thought, do I want to get breast implants? I don't know. Like, would that be something I would want to do? And after totally. hearing your it's story, your mind. Totally. And and people like trolls or even friends, they'll go, Oh my gosh, like you're you're a double A. When when are you gonna get breast implants? Or when are you getting mm-hmm. your boobs done? I'm like, what's that supposed to mean? Yeah. It's just thrown <laughs> totally. around so easily these days. And I think even it's even as brain. Yeah, even as a guy, I found it super interesting watching your video and how well produced it was and the information that you had gathered was yeah. yeah, it was just mind-blowing. Very to, well read. Yeah. But Thank before you. we get into that, I want you to take us back and all the listeners back to your 22-year-old self when, and mm-hmm. that's when you got your breast implants, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So take us back to there. And um, yeah, as a fellow itty-bitty titty gal, what made you get your breast implants? What was the deciding factor for you and had you always wanted them? Mm. I think we have to go earlier than 22 because like I said, I was such a tomboy growing up. And for me, I saw being feminine or being womanly as having, you know, that kind of body, that kind of the boobs, the small hips or the boobs, the small waist, the big hips. And I don't know, I just grew up in not that kind of a mindset. I was, you know, string pole B and all of my friends, you know, bought me push-up bras for my 16th birthday. Like I was the only one that didn't have that development. And I always felt less because of that. Can relate. And it sucks to be, <laughs> yeah, like it, it sucks to also, like you said, be in, I guess, in society where it just seems like such a, well, yeah, like after I have kids, I'll get my boobs done or mm. I'll fix that. Or yeah. it just is so commonplace that growing up, I just genuinely thought, you know, I guess that's, that's what I'll do. One day I'll save up and I'll probably get boobs because I can make that change and that change yeah. would make me happy. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely thought that the act of me choosing was me having the power of, I guess, making that change myself and being in charge. And it, it felt good to be in charge, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought that that in charge feeling was confidence, yeah. Yeah. which we'll get to later because that has absolutely nothing to do with confidence. Let me <laughs> pin that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that was my mindset. And I kind of was one of the only people in my group to, to want breast implants, but I was also probably the smallest person in my group. And so that was just always in the back of my mind. And then when I moved to Australia and I was living there for several years, uh, if you have listeners that aren't from Australia, Australia has a lot of breast implants. Mm. Like a lot of people have breast implants. But good ones as well. So it's like, (laughs) I play this game. No, really. I play this game on the beach. Yes. I play this game on the beach with Kurt. I let him play it with me. I'm like, let's pick who has the fake titties because they're all so immaculate. And then there's (laughs) me. I just got nipples, man. I just got nipples. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly it. And they're everywhere. And so especially kind of being... I mean, already in that mindset and then being in a job or starting to be in a job in an industry that values your outward appearance, it was mm. kind of when I started doing a little bit of modeling and I was hanging out with my model friends or I was doing more YouTube videos and yeah. I don't know, it was never something that other people pushed on me per se, but it definitely was influenced by my perception of what a woman was in society. Yeah. And yeah. so I decided, you know what, a lot of my other friends who are healthy, who are you know into fitness or into wellness they have implants and they're fine. Like yeah, I'm sure it it'll be absolutely it. fine. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And it's so normalized that, you know, they, they do that. Well, you'll be out, you know, in a couple hours, like it's totally fine. They advertise it like getting a freaking coffee. Like it's, totally. it's really crazy yeah. how plastic surgery is, has been normalized. And yeah. so I totally fell for that. I thought that if I went to multiple consults and I got my information from different doctors so that it wasn't, you know, one biased doctor's opinion. And if I went on online chat groups and kind of learned about, you know, different shapes of implants or different textures of implants that I was preparing myself. Yeah. And, you know, you, you try to do your due diligence as, as well as you can. But again, at 22, I feel like I was slightly blinded by, I really wanted this to work. And you were so excited. And it's like, totally. even if you read something bad, it's like you justify it with being like, well, my friend has them. So like, she's fine. And that's not going to happen to me. That's exactly it. Did you research into like what could potentially go wrong with them? Like, you know, the silicon leaking into you. Yes. And so, (laughs) yes, I did. And so the crazy thing was, is, I was told, and when, when I inquired about silicone leaking, that the reason why they came out with these cohesive gel, jelly or gummy bear implants was in response to leaking silicone. Because mm-hmm. back yeah, in the day, right. silicone implants, you know, were pulled from the market because they were so bad and this and that. Well, they had a new one and it, it had texture. So it didn't cause you to have capsular contracture, which was another potential thing you could deal with. Yeah. They didn't explain why your body was having capsular contracture. It, they just said what it was, which is, the your body basically forms a capsule surrounding the implant after it's implanted because it's an autoimmune response mm, your body like has a foreign object mm. yeah and it tries to protect itself by getting this thing out and protected and so capsular contraction can happen when that scar tissue squeezes your implant and squeezes it into like a deformed shape and so that's what i was told when i was like asking about things that could go wrong i was mm. told well you know if you don't massage your boobs enough you can potentially get capsular contracture because the scar tissue builds up. Yeah, I remember all my friends telling me that. I I remember seeing my friends with boob implants massaging their boobs and telling me to feel them. And I was like, okay, like, you know what you're doing? (laughs) That's exactly it. And when when you're hearing from multiple doctors and anybody that this is kind of the only things you have to look out for, like, cool, that's, that's kind of it. The only person that was like massively against it was my mom and also my boyfriend. Mm. Uh, They both were quite against me getting implants. My mom being away and overseas, she was really having a hard time that I was making such a decision without them there and without, Mm -hmm. you know, their help. I'm very close with my family. So it was a big kind of rift for us for a while because my mom's a personal trainer and just didn't see having implants is something that was going to be healthy long-term. So she always had that kind of fear and that worry. And then Glenn, my partner just didn't like fake boobs. Yeah. He doesn't like fake anything. So he's like, you don't need them. You don't need them. It was definitely something that I pushed for. (laughs) I love that. So you went from a B to a double D number one. And it's so funny because it's like, depending what size you are, you say, I would be so happy if I was that. I'm a double A. I would be stoked. <laughs> I would be stoked if I was a B. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you went from a B to a double D. And I'm always so curious. Do you pick the size? Does the surgeon suggest a size? Or like, yeah. how does that How does that work? It's a bit of both. So you basically go in showing a kind of example of what kind of size you would want. Like as in like another person's body, like saying like, okay, we have similar bodies. I like her boobs. What would kind of give me a similar look? Cause I can't go in and promise like you're going to walk out with a D cup. Yeah. Cause that's yeah. not how implants are done. It's done by CCs, which is like a volume measurement of liquid or whatever's in the implant. Right. And so I went in saying I would like boobs that looked too good to be real, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want boobs that are probably fake because they're just, they're glorious big boobs. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> when I went in, he gave me three options for implant sizes. It was uh, a 360 cc, which is what I ended up going with, a 340 cc, which was just a little bit less, and then a 390 cc, which is a little bit more. Okay, and so, so the middle, the middle it ground. ends up not being much more though. It's like a teaspoon worth of more liquid. Mm-hmm. Like it's really not much more in volume size, but they give you kind of like the three that would kind of fit you and your chest and your body the best mm-hmm. or what they think. And which is kind of crazy too, because you still hear the stories now of, of implant surgeons then choosing the larger size and putting an enormous implant into somebody's tiny little chest where it doesn't yeah. really fit that well. And that's, yeah. you know, a whole nother ball of worms or ball of axe that is a, is an issue. But if you, if you get the right surgeon that is doing their due diligence, they will likely give you a choice of your size suggested size. Yep. Mm. And when you initially came out, obviously once the swelling had gone down and everything, you could take the bandage off. Were you happy Mm -hmm. with what you first saw? 
No, I was terrified. Absolutely horrified. But I think most people are. Um, What you're kind of told after surgery is they sit really, really high. High. And so I don't know if you've ever had friends or seen friends that have had theirs done right away. Yes. But they basically look like bolt-on torpedoes. Yes. And then they they ask, how do they look like? Are they like triple in size as well? They're just like, like, they're crazy. What they look like they're going to be at the end. They don't look like how they look like at the end. And like, I was yeah, honestly right. like full blown scared. It looked like huge, like square torpedoes. Oh my gosh, you were like, <laughs> what, what did I do? I do? <laughs> oh, it's, it's scary too. Cause like your breast tissue, especially when you're um, underneath the muscle, like the tissue is sitting on top. So if I were to like bend forwards, you could see like the little triangle of my own tissue, oh. like on top like your of muscle. the implant. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. It, wow. it was, it was disconcerting to be totally honest. I wasn't I wasn't loving it immediately after because it was scary, but I also was prepared knowing that that would happen. So yeah. it was just mm. kind of one of those, let's wait and see how it settles out. I'm sure it'll settle fine because that's how everybody seemed to look afterwards. Yeah. And then, yeah, after like after a few months at, at that point, I thought that I loved them, you know, and mm-hmm. like I really thought that it hit that missing mark for me. And, and I thought that originally that was what was bringing me confidence. Yeah. And yeah. it's funny looking back because – like I said earlier, it was, it was never that that changed my mind of what, you know, made me a woman. Amen. But, you know, it's hard to, it's hard when you have so many other things in your head and you think you're supposed to look a certain way and this and that. And I don't know, that, that doesn't make you happy because there'll always be something else that you can change. Exactly. It's like you once know? you do your boobs then you're going to want to do something else and then it's something <laughs> else. It. There, there's always something else that you could technically fix because none of us are perfect human beings. Nobody's perfect and that's fine. But you get into that hole of like, oh, like I could tweak this or since this was easy, I could do that. And especially and like just, on Instagram and everything, yeah. people look so perfect and you're like, exactly. you think other people's lives are perfect and everything's perfect, but it's Instagram. You're, yeah. It's a highlight reel. That's just it. It's a complete curated form of someone's art, putting it out there that you are then getting to look at. But it doesn't mean that you have to judge anything. Yeah. Yeah. Being a boy, I can't necessarily relate to the the whole breast getting breasts done, but I can relate in getting tattoos. I have an Mm -hmm. addiction to getting tattoos and I'm going to state it now because (laughs) as soon as you get one, you start thinking about the next one. Yeah. I feel like that's the exact same sort of thought process that goes goes into like getting it's, a tattoo yeah. as it is and to you're get like, I can just do the next one yeah exactly. yeah it's very similar in that way and i guess too it's it's such a dangerous thing because your vanity gets wrapped up in that you assume yeah. that oh well if if i get that one more if i do that one more thing then i will be more worthy of i don't know love of confidence of whatever yeah none of that happened because of what you chose that happens because you choose to think that way and it's yeah. funny that you get so caught up in that that loop of thinking that this next thing will make you happy or this next thing will change your life immeasurably. It just never does. It's so true. Because my thing was never really like boobs or anything. Mine was how lean I could be. So like three mm-hmm. years ago was the most lean and shredded I'd, I've ever been. But I was so sad because I was really lonely. I have, was going through a breakup. I was not mm-hmm. confident. I, same as you. I was in a really lonely place in my life. So I started making YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And now I'm obviously I'm pregnant, but I'm the biggest I've ever been. But I'm I'm the happiest and it's like you cannot place your happiness value on the external yeah. factors I you think know we all it's... go through that to some degree don't yeah. we like... it's very true yeah it, it's a hard thing to learn I mean I mean some journeys are a little bit more costly and difficult than others with that lesson but at the end of the day if you really do come back to the same conclusion that like you said Sarah it, it doesn't it's not what changes your perspective yeah like, you have to love yourself whatever stage you are and give yourself the space to work through that. And also to realize that whatever you look like has no effect on the kind of person you are yeah. like at all. So true. It's this is feeding my soul, like a counseling session. Preach it sister. Preach it. Are in the air. <laughs> Spirit fingers it, happening. It sounds so corny and so deep or whatever you want to call it, nah, but it, so it really is the truth. Yeah. And the sooner that people figure that out, the happier you will be. Yeah. It's just, it's the truth. That's so true. Um, okay. We're going to move on a little bit. Now you've got yep. your boobs done. You, they've yes. calmed down a bit. You're starting to feel great. Yes. <laughs> You're getting the cans out in public. You okay, know, he's yeah. holding his boobs. He's holding like his chest right I'm now. Squeezing my, <laughs> squeezing my titties together to make some cleavage. <laughs> All right. You're out in public. You wear a bit of a low-cut uh, top. That I how, did. How do people treat you after getting your boobs done? It was definitely different. And I think it's kind of interesting because... I'm not an extroverted person. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm definitely an introvert that has extrovert tendencies. So 
I can go out and have a good time, but I recharge and I get my energy when I'm at home and when I'm around no one. Yeah. So for me, yeah. So for me to go out in public and then all of a sudden get a lot of attention in kind of a way that I don't know, I, I expected, I guess, to a certain degree, but it's kind of like when you go from brunette to blonde, yeah. like mm-hmm. as, as a lesser kind of thing. Mm-hmm. For yeah. whatever reason, you get harassed so much more as a blonde. Yeah. I just don't, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I did the opposite. I, I went from blonde <laughs> to, because I'm a natural blonde and I went brunette for mm. six days. I got no attention and it was, <laughs> I, it, I was like, no one loves me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things. And so from going from no boobs to boobs, even when I did go out, it was kind of like, holy shit. Like it's a little bit annoying the attention that you get because yeah. when you're not really that kind of a person or you seek that type of attention Mm. I I wanted boobs for my own sake I didn't really want boobs to go and flaunt them like I had been in a relationship for years at that point that's what I was gonna say you have a boyfriend yeah yeah that's just it like my partner and I are celebrating our eighth year together tomorrow congratulations yeah thanks (laughs) but yeah like it wasn't it wasn't like I was seeking that it was more so of my personal choice and so for other people to then have like very sexual or aggressive opinions and also again I mean, for people that don't live in Australia, Australian males can be very like on top of flirting and just like very in your face. And I don't know, there's just, there's a different energy there. They're not worried at all to go up to you oh and God, to I'm, chat you up. Uh, like, at all. Can, you come, can you come on again? I'm like, I'm not even, can you come on again and we do another episode about the differences of like Please. Canada and Australia? Cause like I'm yes, such, it'd be hilarious. I live in a bubble and I love hearing how uh, we're different. Yeah. But anyway, that gets me excited. <laughs> Keep going. So, it's definitely a wonderful place, but there's, there's some <laughs> some differences that you notice. And yeah, definitely going out there, there was guys that were a lot more aggressive once I had my boobs done. Yeah, guys, for sure. boys are very confident here. Yeah. 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 But you know, the funny thing was too, is it wasn't even just the guys. I felt like once I got my boobs done, they became public property. Mm. Like people would feel like, oh, like they're fake. Can I see them? Yes. Can I touch them? Yeah. Like I became a public piece of property, which was not something that I had intended at yeah. all. Yeah. Uh, so that was definitely a difference that I saw both from male and female kind of side. It just became so much more nonchalant of like, let me see your boobs. Who did your boobs? Can I touch your boobs? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you said that around six months after your surgery, you started feeling these weird symptoms, but I can fully understand that. Why would you even think it was your boobs? Because it's six months after you think if anything was going to happen, it would happen a month after. I'm totally fine. But at six months, you started feeling some weird symptoms. Do you want to talk us through that? That's just it. Yeah. And so I truly thought there was absolutely no connection. Not one point in my mind was like, oh yeah, my implants have something to do with this because my first kind of symptoms and things that I was starting to feel was really, really crazy anxiety and depression, like massively. And like, like I remember waking up and just bawling my eyes out, like barely being able to breathe. And that's not me at all. I'd never dealt with that before. And so that was scary in itself trying to figure that out again without my family near and you just and you would think like what's the connection with a physical aspect it's like it's a mental thing it's a mental thing that's exactly it yeah and like especially for someone to deal with you know a mental illness rearing its head in an unopportune moment when you've never dealt with it before I didn't really have any coping skills and I didn't attribute anything that what I was doing physically to to my mental problem And so I just thought, okay, like I'll meditate and I'll go to the gym and I'll do. And so I started adding more and more of these kind of practices into my life on a more consistent basis because it was something that I'd always done, but never consistently. That's when it kind of started consistently because I thought, okay, well, you know, if I listen to the doctor and they say it's stress, it must be stress. So what can I do to combat stress? And so that's kind of the path. Mm. Yeah. And that's the path that I kind of went down was like, okay, well, that's what they think. The most annoying part for me was I think around that time I had started having like really, really bad smelling sweat. Mm. Like I, I'm already like a very sweaty, stinky girl. Like, mm. I, I, no, I feel you. I'm the same. I'm the I same. just said, <laughs> but it was like to the point of like this, there's something very, very wrong yeah. with me. Like I'd get out of the shower and Glenn would fully be like, you are so acidic and stinky. It smells like you've just like ran a marathon and then bathed in your own sweat. Like yeah. it's disgusting. Did you think What's it was wrong? your diet at this point? Well, that's the crazy thing is I look back in my videos. I've been vegetarian for, I guess, six years, around six years now. Mm -hmm. And I've always eaten relatively clean. And so back, you know, when that was happening, I was doing, you know, juice cleanses or other types of 
getting micronutrients in alongside of my regular meals. I wasn't cutting gluten and I wasn't completely cutting dairy, but I just thought like it couldn't be my diet because my diet's pretty clean and I've never seemed to have any problems. Yeah, yeah. nothing's changed. I never had gut, like nothing had changed and I never had any gut problems previous. Did you so go that's to why na- I was like, this is weird. Yeah, did you go to a naturopath at all to ask about these symptoms? Totally. And I also went to an iridologist. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've ever done that, but that's super no. interesting. No. Um, so iridologists look at your eyes. And when I went into the iridologist, that was the person that told me that I had copper, too much copper in me. And they could tell that I had a copper IUD in me just by looking at my no. eyeball. Wow. I love and I was that. Like, Holy yeah. crap, tell me more. I love this. So yeah, anyway, Susie Frost on this stuff. Only, Keep going. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just right up my alley. I'm so into that kind of stuff because I feel like conventional healthcare does tend to let women down a lot of the time mm-hmm. because they give you a blanket solution. Yes. Oh, you're stressed. Well, yep help me here. Like, don't just give me a one overall of, well, this must be what it is. Yeah. And so yeah. after basically going in so many times to regular doctors and just doing like walk-in clinics, they basically said, stop using our resources. And that was awful because here I am, I have a Medicare card. I'm a permanent resident in Australia. I have every right to be using this system, you know, just to get my blood tests. And they're saying, don't bother coming back. There's nothing we can do for you. And so, yeah, at that point, like that's when I was like more looking into more naturopaths and iridology, whatever else was kind of offered there. And then, yeah, we, um, we did like whatever other like allergy tests and different like herbs and things that I could try. And you made like a gut health video. Yeah. And so that was kind of, that was in Australia. And then when I moved over to Canada, obviously like it's a stressful thing, whatever way you cut it, moving overseas is it's awful. <laughs> Very <imagine>. stressful. <laughs> moving, but, um, moving up the road yeah. from our old place was a mission, let alone <laughs> totally. moving across the world. <laughs> yeah. That's just it. And like with the dog, with everything, like it was a mission. Yeah. And so I just thought that, you know, if that, if that's stressful, it must be, it must be the stress that I've been caused, you know, it might, must be the reason why my body's stressed. So when we moved back to Canada, I started noticing things like joint pain. And it was awful because I was literally being woken up in the middle of the night because my hips were hurting so badly. Like I couldn't turn from a flat position into a side sleeping position because my hips were aching so, so terribly. And I couldn't understand like what on earth could be wrong. Like why am I inflamed? Why am I having these problems? When my inflammation markers, whenever I get blood tests, everything's normal. What the hell? That, that, I was going to yeah. say, like, did you get your inflammation markers checked yeah. and everything? You <laughs> beat me to it. <laughs> it was just wild. And so at that point, I started diving more deeper in with a local naturopath in Vancouver, trying to figure out, okay, like, is it parasites? Is it my inflammation? Is it like fibromyalgia? Like, what the heck is going on? So I did all the allergy tests. I did a colonoscopy. I did whatever you could imagine test-wise that they can do. I've done it. Like I sampled my hair for heavy metals. I've done this. I've done that. It's just stupid. That would be so frustrating. Yeah. 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 And like every test you get your hopes up. Like every time you're like, oh, maybe they found something. Like maybe I can figure out how to live my life normally. Because at this point, like I'm fully living every single day with health problems. Like day from the moment I wake up to the moment I'm sleeping, something is wrong and I'm having to either poop my pants or <laughs> eat different foods or my face was so acne broken out. It was just horrendous. And like doing this for a job, it, it was so difficult to try and maintain your smile when you're just like, I'm literally falling apart inside and out. I'm falling apart. And so, yeah, that was when I did that. That gut health video is pretty much at my last resort of like, I've already completed whatever, whatever tests that I've, you know, possibly could. They don't know what else to suggest. They really don't know what else can I do. And so I put my journey online in a video and it was hard to kind of put it out there because I don't, I don't like crying online and I don't like putting, like I said, that kind of energy onto my channel, but I was just so lost. And so I put the video out and I couldn't believe the comments. There's so many comments, people being like, have you, have you heard about breast implant illness? Like, have you considered this being your breast implants? And at first I was like, there's no way, like, there's no way. If I had a problem, it would have, you know, would have been something that came up a long time ago. No one's mentioned it. It's not even like a proven thing. Like how could this be it? And like, I totally dismissed it. It was such an ego response. I just remember feeling like that can't be me. Maybe other people, but it can't be me. And defensive. I, like I'm the yeah. same. If someone so if someone comments on my YouTube channel and says, oh, it's because you're not eating enough carbs or something, I automatically totally. get defensive. And even, even before I stopped to assess what they said, I'm like, oh, they don't know me. Absolutely. You don't know my life. Mm. So I remember yeah. I, I was I was listening to you say that in an interview on the Today Show saying that someone commented saying it's your breast implants and you did, mm-hmm. you had an ego response and I would feel yeah. exactly the 100%. same. I would as well. 
you like you don't I don't know it, the internet's a hard space like you don't want to be told that what you've done is wrong though you want to be able to you know say you know I, I screwed up it was my own fault but at the end of the day like it's it's hard to be standing up and admitting that when you don't even really know what the problem is yourself and so it, it Back to feel like somebody else is diagnosing me, yet I didn't even know what the problem was myself. And so that, I think, was my initial anger. And also the, like, like who are you to tell me, a stranger, yeah. what's wrong, what's wrong like, with me? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Chris. Like, just goodness. I just, I wish I could just, like, just close my little mouth and retreat back to a corner. Like, that comment and those comments truly and utterly saved my life. It saved me so Isn't much time crazy? and going around. I'm so grateful yeah. that they commented because I would have never figured that you out until somebody that. said it. Yeah, I was well, when, it, it, when when Sarah showed me the story of, of the breast pain illness, I didn't even know it was a thing. Like I feel like here in Australia we're very behind on the trends and medical trends and things like that. And I feel like it's not really openly spoken about not here hugely yet. here yet. No, that's what, what this is why we're so, trying so, to start the conversation. <laughs> let's get so, the ball rolling. <laughs> so after they told you that you obviously were googling and going, "Oh my gosh, all these symptoms totally. Uh, me so you must have gone to a doctor and said look this may sound crazy but I'm pretty sure I have breast plant illness mm. what was their response to you they completely I went to my family doctor in salmon arm I saw a couple of walk-in doctors in Vancouver and every single one of them told me that that's medically impossible which <laughs> just made my blood boil because the, the more that you look into this and the further you look the further you realize that every study that's ever been done on breast implants has been a short-term study that was self-reporting. So out of however many women that they chose to be in that study, they have to all self-report. Self-reporting is the worst possible way to gain information from some type of device because half the people forget or when they go into their doctor, their doctor doesn't relay the information or whatever. So anyway, these are the studies that these implants are basically based off of. And the craziest part is, that it wasn't even a third party doing these tests. It was manufacturers in charge of these tests. Yeah. Yeah, so and like I said on the Today Show, it's the equivalent of having the tobacco industry self-regulate. Yeah. Yeah. Like, of course, they're going to tell you that smoking doesn't cause cancer. Of course, they're going to buy out doctors and have doctors do commercials saying smoking is actually good for your lungs. Like this happened not even 30, 40 years ago. And that was a normalcy. And that's my issue with this is that when doctors are going, oh, that could never happen. We don't know that. The science doesn't say that. We, we genuinely do not honestly know. And we are being used as guinea pigs. And the craziest part is, is that you're dismissing this amount of women with the same symptoms and the same problems for what? For money. That's all it comes down to. This is one of the biggest industries in the world. They don't want to stop implanting you because that means that you won't need a new set of implants every 10 years. Yeah. Mm. Like, it's, it's actually wild. I was mind blown to see on the FDA website, which is actually an uh, American government website, um, yeah. there was 26 symptoms that could potentially occur in the body from a, a breast implant. And some of them were really serious, like cancer, uh, fluid buildup underneath the scar tissue called... B-I-A-L-C-L. It's, it's A-L-C-L, like a type of that's the one. Yeah. Yep. And I was mind blown to, to see this and never have ever heard anything about it. Not well, being a guy, I guess. Like, I'm probably yes. A bit more so to with it, that but. in mind, half the patients that have these flipping implants in them have not been notified that these implants can cause these problems. Mm, exactly. You just did a massive recall of all of the allergen textured implants because they literally are one of the only implants that has at, up until this point been kind of proven to be more of a, a marker for a type of lymphoma. And so they pulled it from the market in Europe. They're not pulling it in Australia. They're not pulling it in the United States. They're still selling it. And they're not telling women, they don't have to tell women that that can potentially cause a type of cancer that doesn't even exist yeah. unless in people with implants. Hmm. And like the craziest part is, is that particular product, that's the same product that I had inside of me. And when I got it less than six years ago, I was told that that's the safest on the market. That's so scary. Because that's the information that they had at that time and that's what they were and, telling me. And because yeah. they're doctors, you just believe them. Yeah, of course. Totally. Yeah. So you obviously- That's fi- just it. You finally find a doctor who says, acknowledges, yes, you pros- possibly, probably, or definitely have breast plant illness. How long did that take to find the doctor? And what was your reaction like when he said, yes, I agree with you and you're not crazy? <laughs> so oh my god it was the it was the nicest feeling in the world to know that somebody had at least heard what I was saying and could potentially think that yeah okay this could this could be an issue and so you have to dig for that and the crazy part is is when you go in these support groups a lot of the women come back saying that their their family doctors don't you know 
don't believe them and don't say anything. And then they go to a plastic surgeon that specializes in explant and understands the implications of breast implants. And they go, yes, like this is very likely the reason why you're sick. I don't think they're legally allowed to say that breast implants cause that. Like yeah, at this point in time, right. I don't think they can definitively, like you have to know they can't say that. Yeah. But what they do and what they are saying is when women get them removed and they come back, they're not having the same symptoms. Yeah. And then well, it's up to you to make the like, decision. Like, up, yeah. Like if yeah. that doesn't say it to you, like, yeah. I mean. Well, even like, so, I, yeah, I think I follow like four influencers or, you know, YouTubers, whatever mm. you want to call, mm-hmm. um, who have done this expert yeah. surgery in within, the last four last, months. Yeah, exactly. And yep. everybody um, has basically posted a photo of their face even, and their eyes are not swollen anymore mm. and their acne's clearing within 24 hours. I'm so mind blown mm. that everybody, yeah, yeah, this is why I'm so obsessed with this topic. I'm like, <laughs> this would affect so many more people then yeah. they realize, you know, this could be affecting That's someone exactly out there right now. 100% it. Yeah. And when, when doctors don't know what to look for and when they're being told by manufacturers that they're safe, like, I don't know why there's this type of mentality with doctors, but for some reason they think that if it's worth knowing, they would have already known it, Yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so they just think like, oh, well, if it's not, you know, on Health Canada or if it's not on Health Australia, like it must not be a problem. And they're not listening to people. And so the hardest part is, is how many people are actually being affected by this? because the symptoms are so varied and widespread. Typically it has to do with some form of fatigue or basically body toxicity. Like your body starts just not acting the way that it should. Your gut messes up. You have joint fatigue or like, like really ouch feelings in your joints. You're having blurry vision. You're having just chronic inflammation. Your body just always seems to have some type of inflammation. All of those things are just a slow poisoning of your body. And you look at all those symptoms, like, there's really no difference with like other types of poisonings of your body. You still have like a fibromyalgia or you have like Lyme or you have all those other issues are very similar to, to poisoning of your body. So it just scares me thinking like there's potentially hundreds of thousands of women that have these devices that don't know that they need to be aware. It's not something to be scared of, but it's something that you absolutely should be aware of because if, if you were aware of this in the first place, would you have gotten them? Yeah. yeah. And I even just, now you would want to get on top of it. Cause I, I remember hearing you say from the day that you kind of realized you had to wait a whole year to get your explant yes. surgery. Mm. So you were living with for a year with these symptoms and struggling with your joints and feeling sick and your gut health issues. So finally a year passes, you get the explant mm-hmm. surgery. How do you feel getting rolled out of surgery? It was wild. So I traveled down to California for my explant surgery because locally there wasn't anybody available that was able to do it and do it properly. And like you said, the wait lists are so long because there's not enough surgeons that are properly trained to do this particular procedure. When you get implants put in, all they do is either cut you open and put it above your chest muscle or below your chest muscle and then sew you back up and send you on your way. When you get an explant, your implant has had that autoimmune reaction creating that scar capsule that surrounds the entirety of it. And it's basically attached to the upper side of your breast and the lower side of your uh, ribs. So it's like sandwiched and completely grown in between those two spots. And so to explant, you need to remove the entirety of that capsule or else you're not going to, to get better. Basically, you need to remove the entirety of the foreign object. So they're going through and cauterizing every single attachment, attaching this enormous implant to both sides of your chest. So unless you're a microsurgeon or you're very well-versed in doing explant, this is something that they can't guarantee to get all of this capsule out. But that's of the utmost importance to remove the entirety of the capsule. And so, yeah, there's there's massive wait lists for doctors that can properly do this because there's just not very many people that, that are able to do this at this point and do it properly. So some people are waiting, you know, a year, a year and a half on these wait lists. And so myself, I was on the wait list and I got a bump call and it was just the best. It was the best. I I was in the car on my way out to actually do a different podcast. And I remember getting the call and just like holding back tears in the car thinking like, oh my God, this is it. I'm finally, I can, I can live again. I can finally get the shit out of me. So yeah, it, it was crazy. And so then we traveled down to California to go to that doctor that was available for that. His name is Dr. Chun. And he's one of the leading explant surgeons in the United States talking about the dangers basically of breast implants and trying to educate people and trying to force the FDA and other regulatory bodies to have some type of regulatory system, which they already should have. But um, so yeah, I went down and I had my surgery and 
the craziest part was seeing my parents after surgery because they came with me. And my mom just started crying and she fully was like, you have color in your face. Aww. It's been years and you have color in your face. Is this, it like, just this, so is while you're, this is while you're in the hospital bed, right? Like this is like a 24 yeah. hour period. Like, like, like within, like within maybe an hour of being out of surgery, I had more color in my face than that's when I went insane, into surgery. Mm-hmm. Like that's it just goes to show how toxic this stuff must be inside that's exactly. the body. And like as you said, looking at my photos, and I really encourage anybody to to really go and look at women's photos of explanting the before and after of just the whites of their eyes and and their faces. Do you want to plug like your this, Do you want to plug your Instagram in here so if anyone wants to go into yeah, your Instagram? Sure. My Instagram is just my name at Carissa Pukas, but yeah, I have like highlights of uh, different images and different kind of things that I've shared throughout my journey. But that's the one thing that I just, I can't shake from every single person that gets their implants taken out. It's day and night difference between their faces and just the color in them and their eyes are clearer. There isn't as much inflammation. It's just, you can visually see that difference. And I don't know, to me, it just, it reinforces the idea that I feel like my implants are poisoning me. Mm-hmm. I really, truly do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. And I just want to go back a little bit to where you were explaining about the um, the process and what needs to come out of the boob. Yeah, um, you, did, you, you put like up a little snippet within your video. So if anyone yes. wants to actually see what this scar tissue looks like and the difference between one that's that's had a bit of damage and, and non-damage, you should go across to mm-hmm. Carissa's video on YouTube and, and watch her breast illness video post. Um, it does a great explanation there of, of like a real visual reference for everyone. So Yes, yeah. as well as all of the medical studies that I was able to find that are like relevant are in the info box of that video. If there's any questions, they'll most likely be answered in there. And the crazy thing is, is that now that there's a bigger community of people talking about breast implant illness and just the awareness is coming around. People are able to compile so much more information for the next kind of generation of women to hopefully help. And like that, that's the best part about it is that, you know, five, six years ago, this information wasn't easily found at all. Like it was spread out over random PubMed journals on the internet and not an average person is probably going to go and, and dig deep into medical journals but people have now done that and compiled what is important and what pertains to this type of illness. And now there's just that information there. So massive props to everybody that has helped make that because yeah, it's saving people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say that nowadays all of your symptoms have gone? And if so, how long did that take for everything to just calm down? 100%. I'm 100% symptom free. And I never thought, like, thank you. I just, I never thought that I would be living a day where I wasn't thinking about my health again. And it just brings so much joy. Like, I, I can't even explain it. It's changed my life so much to have that back. It's changed my relationship. I mean, when you're sick all the time, you're chronically having problems that drains your relationship, that drains your friendships. It, it's hard on your family because it's stress on your family. All of that has, has gone. And I'm just so grateful that I'm able to live every day not focusing on, you know, health. So, yeah, it's, it's been incredible. The one thing that definitely I think people find that takes the longest, and I'm sure, um, Sarah, you'd probably relate with this, is gut health is something that won't be an overnight change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It definitely got better and, like, noticeably better. Yeah. But it wasn't something Slowly. that was like a snap and yeah. it's done. Yeah. It was like a six-month being quite aware of, of my diet and, still working with a dietitian and still making good choices, but going from like eight to 10 bowel movements a day to having normal bowel movements. No like way. <laughs> you know that you're doing something right and it's something's going good. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's, I think that's important for you to say as well, because it's like as much as the, the, the color in your face and the whiteness in your eyes yeah. was an immediate change. Not everything is going to be as quick as that in terms of your hormones and gut health and totally. anything really organ based. Yeah, that's going to take, take a few months. That's just it. And to be just gentle with yourself because at the end of it, like it's a massive surgery. It's not something that's just simple that, you know, it's just a, a fix. It's something that for the next few months, you really have to prioritize yourself and your healing. And that's really what I've done. And I'm so grateful that I have the type of job that kind of allowed me the space to do that. But I mean, the more that you are able to just rest afterwards and just really put yourself first and eat good nourishing foods and move your body slowly but gently, it it will help you so much. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question that I think is going to relate to more girls than just the breast implant girls. Yes, My first question is, do you have lip fillers or have you had them in the past? 
Yes, I have. And I have had them since I was maybe 20, 23, maybe 22, 23, around there. Because I, kind of I thought so, but I didn't want to assume. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, fair enough. So now since you've gone through all of this bl- uh, breast implant illness, I know it's totally different because it's not the same substance, but has your ideas changed even about lip fillers or would you still get them? I'm just like, I'm curious because I've had them done twice. I don't have them mm-hmm. now because I'm pregnant, but um, yeah. I, I loved having them done. I really did. I'm going to be totally honest. I love having yeah. fuller lips, but I'm interested to hear your opinion now that you've done all this research. I feel like you're so well read on this yeah. topic. Yeah. Tell me, tell me your you dates. Know, it's, it's so funny you say that because it's one of the number one things that people ask me. And I honestly do not think that there is the right answer. You know, it comes down to... <laughs> I wanted you to help what- me. <laughs> I wish, I wish there was a right way to live. You know, it, it's yeah. like it with anything though. And I was actually talking to my grandma about this. Cause she's like, well, will you still be doing that lip filler crap? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> my parents but, would say the like, same thing yeah. if that was me. Yeah. Like it, I mean, and that's fair enough. And I, as I said to her, it's a completely legitimate worry. And it's something that, yeah, maybe 20 years from now, I'll look back and go, what the hell was I thinking? Yeah. Mm. I'm not sure. But to yeah. the best of my knowledge and to my own experience, I feel that that is the product that I haven't reacted to and that I'm not seeming to have any reaction to. And for the level of the, the happiness that it does bring to my life versus not doing it, I don't think that that's a risk that I'm going to be that worried about as, again, it is a product that is technically a natural substance that's drawing water into a specific place in your body. So could I be wrong? Absolutely. Could, you know, fillers be wrong for some people? Absolutely. I I don't think that there's one product that'll work for everybody, but this is something that I'm going to make an educated decision thinking that I'm probably going to be okay. Whereas, I don't know, everybody makes those decisions with everything. Like, are you somebody that uses perfume every single day? Is that a chemical that you want, you know, spraying onto your thyroid every single day? Yes, guys, get a natural perfume. Yeah, like get a natural essential oil. Come on now. But it just comes down to what are you, what are you willing to risk? And I guess that's why I keep saying with the whole plastic surgery thing, at the end of the day, I'm not trying to shame anybody that has plastic surgery or say that it's the wrong thing or this or that. But what I am trying to say is please have all of the information and make an educated decision because this is something that could potentially affect you for the rest of your life and not just you, your family, your relationship, your, you know, your money. Oh my God. Like the amount of money that has gone into, to just getting me to health at this point. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Not even just so, getting boobs, yeah. but then getting them out and seeing all the yes. naturopaths. Totally. And people don't think about that. Like they don't think about the fact that when you get your boobs, you're supposed to get them replaced every 10 years. But then after three years of having them in, you're also supposed to get an MRI every two years. So that's, you know, that, that all adds up. Is that something that monetarily you want to commit to for the rest of your life? Because it's not like you can just chuck them in there and forget about them. Like statistically speaking, if your implants are older than like seven or eight years, you already have one of them slightly ruptured. Like when you actually look at the statistics, it's just wild how they can sell these products and not like full blown tell you everything about them. It's just like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Just on my like quick little research, just like I was talking earlier on, I found a statistic Mm. saying that 80% of women require further surgery within 10 to 15 years. So I I guess that's not like really something else that's spoken about that once you've got Mm -hmm. them done, you're going to need to be, something's going to need to happen to them again, whether they get replaced. I I don't know. Absolutely. For the rest of your life, it's a commitment of, of that you know, health and dealing with surgery because surgeries are not fun to have or to deal with. And I think the older you get to, the more you're aware of the implications and dangers of what you're doing. So it, it was a lot scarier doing it now than it was doing it when I was 22. And I think that lots of people get put in that position where they've just had their implants in. They're like, oh, they're fine. They've been in for 15 years. Like, dude, you can't do that. They're yeah. not yeah. lifetime devices at all. Negative and whoever's been telling you that effect. is so lying through their teeth. They don't know what they're talking about. Have you ever gone through like a phase or like a day where you're like, oh, I miss having double Ds? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing is I really thought that I would. Because like like I said, I got boobs because I wanted boobs. Yeah. I like boobs. I wanted boobs. I love they're people's boobs. <laughs> I think because I don't right, have them, fun. I just want to touch other people's but- boobs. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> but I surprisingly have not at all. And wow. you know, it's funny because I think it comes down to as well. I'm happy with 
the fact that I'm not sick first and foremost, that's, that's my priority. But when I look at myself in pictures or in clothes or anything like that, I look so much better now. Like it's unbelievable. Like everyone always comments on it. Like you look so much just more svelte and you know, not skinny, but just like in proportion, I guess. And I didn't realize how heavy and wide shouldered it made me look to have implants. You know, it just, you, you look much more heavy set and I feel much more light and, and, just feminine, I guess, now versus before, which is ah, so funny. I never I like thought that that. that would be the case. <laughs> Light and feminine. That's what I, I used to say. I'm built for speed, not comfort. But I like that. Light <laughs> and feminine. <laughs> that works too. Now you can punch out the burpees. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's something too that I've been kind of struggling with after the fact is also since my implants were placed under the chest muscle, you forever will be dealing with your chest muscle having a repair in that spot. And so Ah, I don't always have my explosive energy there. And I absolutely notice, like I cannot for the life of me do a lot of chest work and even like my upper back, like it's still off. I've been trying forever to do chin-ups and I still struggle with getting that motion and being able to hold myself using all of those muscles. So that's kind of my next like adventure is building myself back stronger and better than ever. And I, I'm, I'm excited about that. I don't know. Like, I'm, I think that that's fun. That's fun health things. That's Dealing my with kind like, of fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, that's my yeah. kind of fun. Like, I don't like having to deal with the crappy aspect of health things. And I'm glad that that's kind of out of the way so I can move on to, to bigger and better and also move on to babies because I would like hey, to go the babies. <laughs> have, you, yeah. have you actually gone and seen a physio or anything like that about trying to repair the muscles there or? It's a really good question. I was going to, and then I got lazy and started traveling. And yeah. that's something I like that honesty. I really should yeah. probably look into because I feel like it's probably quite a necessary thing. I mean, it's a massive muscle stressor. So I would assume so. I constantly see a chiropractor and I have since I was like a young teen. Um, so I've always kind of been in the right spot and then focused on like holding my muscle and keeping my, mu- or keeping my spine aligned with like that kind of stuff and stretching, but I haven't fully done like physio or anything like that yet. Mm. Mm. So if something randomly came out saying these are the safest boob implants ever, they're made from chia seeds. Would you ever, <laughs> would you ever, <laughs> I got chia seeds it, it, in my water. I just saw them. It would go jelly-ish, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it? it like- would I'm going to, I'm going to come out with them. <laughs> um, would you ever consider getting your boobs done again or any other major plastic surgery? No, I, I can't imagine doing that. And like I was saying earlier, it, it really does come back down to you really evaluate what matters and what's the priority in your life. And at 28 years old, I can safely say that my boobs are not my priority anymore. It's not something that I feel like I need to change about myself because there's nothing wrong with it in the first place. And that's what I keep trying to, I guess, remind myself or or when I'm talking to other people about my experiences, I absolutely understand wanting to change something about yourself. We all have things about ourselves that we want to change per se, but does it really give you that value to your life when you do change it? Because I've had the grass is greener and it wasn't greener. It was actually a whole lot of other problems that you have to deal with because of there it being greener. There were weeds greener. in the grass. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it, you know, and, and it, it comes back down to what do you, what's worth it for you. And for me, my health and after experiencing such a massive change in my health, I would never, ever put myself through that ever again, knowingly, of course. And I don't know, I, I think it's really changed who I am as a person just for the sake of it's just reminded me that this is my shell, you know, and I say that all the time. It's just the meat bucket that I'm walking around in. Like it's not really anything to do with who I am or what I believe or the kind of person that I am. Of course I'm going to take care of it. And of course it's something that you have to be aware of, but I don't need to be modifying it in crazy ways in order to feel value or worthy of myself. Yeah. You know? yeah, I love that. Such yeah. a good message. Such yeah. a good message. I, and I can totally like relate to that as well because now we were talking earlier about our age. Now t- getting close to 30, I'm so much more health conscious mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. making sure I'm getting checked up by doctors and, and doing the right things because we do have a little one coming on the way. But back when mm-hmm. I was 22 or 20, I did not give a shit. Yeah, you, you, you <laughs> think you're invincible. You think I, you're invincible. Crazy. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's only now, and I I know that everyone says this to you when you're that age too, you wait till you hit 30, you wait till you hit 30, oh, (laughs) everything starts falling apart on you guys. It is so true. And then you're going to be like, Kurt, and be like, oh my guts. Oh my guts, mate. <laughs> yeah, told you this was going to happen when, back when you were 16. It's fast, isn't it? Oh yeah, it goes south quick. <laughs> That's just it. 
So yeah, I don't know. There's, there's definitely things that are, you know, worth your time and taking care of yourself and this and that, but I don't see plastic surgery as one of those things anymore. Back yeah. in the day, I totally, like you said, Sarah, at the very beginning, I totally saw it as like, oh yeah, like just fix that once yeah. I have kids or once I do this or I'll just nip and tuck. Yeah. Why? Why do we feel like we need to change ourselves so drastically to get the approval of ourselves or other people? Like it's just, it's ridiculous when you really truly sit down and think about it. Why don't you feel good enough about yourself? That's something that is worth inspecting because that's something that won't change by doing surgery. That's something that you'll have to deal with someday or other, no matter what, because actions always do have consequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think if you do have breast plants and you don't have any of these symptoms and that's great, but just, just be aware mm-hmm. that potentially these things could happen. Yeah, just and be if mindful. You do, totally. If these symptoms do arise, like... I, I would advise to go see medical assistance straight away, like yeah. by, by a professional, naturopath, doctors, you know, mm-hmm. the list could go on and on and on and just ask for their, their opinion and go and see multiple. multiple. Yeah, yeah, multiple. Yes, but and it, advocate it was, for yourself because yeah. at the end of the day, they might not know and it's not their fault that they don't know. They just, they don't know. They haven't been exposed to it before. Science, yeah. yeah, science hasn't unfortunately caught up to this and it doesn't mean that it's not a problem. Yeah. So keep pushing and keep asking around and join the support groups online. There's so much information and so many people interviewing doctors or talking about their struggles or you you just aren't alone, I guess, at the end of the day. And like I said earlier, don't be afraid. If you have breast implants and and they're in there and you're not having problems, that's great. You know, good for you. Yeah, exactly. Just be aware that this is a potential possibility at any point of having them and just be aware that if things start to change, notice that. Pay attention to your body. And don't ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. And also consider like if, if you're someone that's coming up on their 10 year mark of getting their implants replaced, maybe if you don't need them, don't get them replaced, have them removed, have the capsule taken out, go back to, you know, being yourself. Mm-hmm. It's something to think about definitely, but not there to incite fear, just to inspire knowledge and hopefully the sister sharing. Yeah. Cause it's important. Yeah. 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 Love it. Yeah. And that's why we got you on. So thank you very much for sharing that. Um, I guess just to sort of wrap our podcast up for today what does the future hold for you in 2019 what are your goals and aspirations for the year and what are you expecting this year to happen it kind of makes me smile when you ask me that only because last year was so focused on on just one thing on health and trying to figure out what's wrong and this and that and now i feel like it's just really open and endless possibilities and again cheesy but it's the truth i'm i'm really looking forward to having a family and so having my body be strong and healthy to carry a baby and those types of things, I guess, are now my priority where I, I'm ready to build, I'm ready to do new things and I'm not exactly sure what that'll be, but I'm really excited to do it. Yeah, that makes me, so exciting. All I can say about that is get on the folonic acid, active folate. <laughs> yes. Okay, that's, that's all I'll say. The doctors told me I'll never get pregnant and now look at me now. Look at me now. <laughs> No, I was honestly for weeks. I've been so excited about yeah. this podcast. I'm so I mean, glad we've we been finally talking got... for, for months. I, I think know. we talked at the end of last year or something. I we know. started discussing that we wanted to get yeah. you on the show. So it's been a long time coming. And um, yeah, it, you are a true inspiration uh, to many females out there and, and just doing some great things online. So yeah. even just about body Thank confidence. You so much. Yeah, exactly. so yeah, if I, anyone... I really appreciate that, guys. And I appreciate that you're sharing your platform because it is so important to talk about women's health issues, even if it's something that you yourself may not be struggling with. It's still so important to hear others out because this applies to so many things, you know, the bladder mesh implant or um, different IUDs or birth control methods. There's so many things that could potentially go wrong. And if our doctors aren't really listening to us, then sharing that on our platforms might be the only way to go. So I very much appreciate you extending your platform. It's a, it's a big deal. So thank you guys. You're so welcome. Well, everyone, (laughs) I hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed asking you questions. I could sit here for hours and ask you so many more questions, (laughs) but we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you guys in the next episode. See you guys. Bye. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Health Code Podcast. We will tag Carissa in our Instagram page. So if you go across to the.healthcode, give us a follow, like our content. We've uploaded a photo of Carissa. You can then go through and click through the links and find all the information that we spoke about within the podcast. I'll also add the links to Carissa's page, YouTube channel, Instagram page in the show notes. So There should be plenty of information there for you guys to go and have a search after listening to our podcast. So thank you once again for tuning in, guys, and see you in the next one. Bye.